Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of the Metal Chat Podcast. My name is Melissa, and I'm coming to you from a steamy hot Boston, Massachusetts. I'm here with just co-host Maeve Kitty. You can probably hear my air conditioning in the background. I hope it is not too distracting. This is a milestone episode. Episode 20 took me long enough to get here. I thank everybody who's stuck around for this ongoing fiasco. It is much appreciated. I have a little bit of housekeeping before we get into episode 20. So, I gotta talk about my 1983 car. Couple things. First of all, I need to apologize for episode 19 because, in hindsight, I probably should not have released it. I got myself all worked up and I thought, I better get something out. Oh my god, you know, I got myself into a tizzy. It was not the best quality and I didn't even realize that the quality was not up to par until I listened back, because I listened to it on my computer before I upload it, before I release it to you guys. But then I listened to it on Spotify and it sounded terrible. It sounded like I was underwater. So I apologize for the production. I also apologize for the fact that it was short. I just really got this really great idea. It sounded really great in my head and then it sounded really great on paper. And then I went to execute it and it was not that great. Partly because most of the stuff that I want to talk about, I have on vinyl, which I don't have on my computer. So I've been trying to rectify that situation because I do have a turntable that I can upload stuff onto my computer, although I really don't know what I'm doing. So that's a really long process. I do have some stuff that I went ahead over the years, you know, like Park at the Moon and stuff like that, which is on my computer. But a lot of the more obscure stuff I don't have on my computer. I have like some of them are tapes. So I'm trying to figure out how to get all this stuff on my computer because the whole idea about me doing this whole arc about 1983 is to play some of the songs from that year and you need to have them on your computer in order to play. So that's where I am with that. Also, I open this episode with the song Never Surrender by the band Trine. It's off the album Never Surrender, which came out in January of 1983 and in my absolute tizzy, I forgot to mention it. And I also think that it's fitting because I have been sort of like losing my mind trying to figure out how to get this arc to you and I'm making myself crazy crazier than I already am I've decided that I'm just I'm just going to chill out with it and I'm going to do it in piecemeal so that you get the best quality product that said today I'm not going to talk about 1983 I'm actually going to talk about something brand spanking new and that's the new Flotsam and Jetsam. And if you do not own this CD album download, you need to go get it because it is unbelievable. It is so, so, so good. And so I'm going to talk to you about that album tonight. As always, before we get started, I need to thank everybody for the continued support. I know I thanked you already, but I'm going to thank you again, especially those who endured the 12 minutes of episode 19. (laughs) I do appreciate. So in future episodes, I am going to pull out 1983 and I'm going to do it chronologically. So the next time we talk about 1983, it'll be March. I think I'm going to do March, April. That's my plan. Also, in other news, I have 1,003 downloads. Can you believe it? I am so proud. And that's also the other reason for the song Never Surrender because I was really like thinking maybe I'm in way over my head. I have such a demanding job. I work so many crazy hours and I'm just like maybe I think twice about this podcast. You know, I saw that I had a thousand downloads and it just it really made me happy and made me want to continue to do this. We will see how it goes. <laughs> Hope 1983 goes a little bit better than it has been going. That is all the news. And so with that, we are on to episode 20! Flotsam and Jetsam, Blood in the Water. (laughs) 
All right, so you just heard the title track, or a snippet of the title track, Blood in the Water. This is the 14th album by the band Flotsam and Jetsam, and if you don't know who they are, I'll give you a little bit of a background. They've been around since 81 in some way, shape, and form. In 84, they officially become Flotsam and Jetsam. Release the album Doomsday for the Deceiver in 1986 with a gentleman by the name of Jason Newstead on bass. It is actually the only album of Flotsam and Jetsam that Jason is on before he is recruited by Metallica. After that, for a hot minute, Phil Rind of Sacred Reich was in the band. They've had a lot of different lineup changes, but uh, Michael Gilbert, who is a guitar player, and A.K. Eric Knudsen, who is the vocalist, have been there since like 85. They've been, been around the longest. They have had, like I said, some various lineup changes. On this album, they have a new bass player, as a matter of fact. His name is Bill Bodley. And I should also mention that Jason Bittner used to be in this band. And he, of course, is a drummer, is the drummer for Shadows Fall and plays with Toxic. And he's been around for a long time. A lot of people know who he is. So this album dropped the 4th of June. I have been listening to it nonstop. I got it digitally and then my physical copy came. My CD came in. I'm still waiting for my album, as a matter of fact, because, yes, I got it three different ways because I love Flotsam and Jetsam. One of the things that I love about them is they're a thrash band, but they're a thrash band that always has a lot of melody. They have really great hooks. It's not like just pounding you over the head. There's actually a lot of really great song structure, almost like in a progressive kind of way. So this album opens up with the song Blood in the Water, and it hits you with both barrels. I mean, it just comes in at you. Well, you heard because you heard the opening, you hear the opening riffs. So you heard it come at you it's just uh it's a banger of a song there's a lot of frenetic drumming in this song throughout this whole album uh ken mary is on the kit and he just is amazing he's very very technical and yet he's very fast very precise and he really does a great job of not only keeping the beat but just bringing i don't know what you want to call it maybe atmosphere or something he just brings it he just ties it all together the drumming on this album is is stellar there's a long chorus on this song and then it just like rips into an unbelievable guitar solo. It's like I said, it's very melodic. So if you're like listening to this early snippet and you're thinking to yourself, this is too much for me, please listen to the entire song because you will find out that it's got some catchy chorus and some sing-along and you'll be able to sort of groove to it and even sort of dance to it a little bit um, without it being too thrashy, I guess. But it is thrashy enough for those of us who do like good thrash. So it's a nice little mix. They do a really good job of mixing it up. Michael Gilbert has sort of a classical flair to his guitar. He's sort of, you can sort of tell that he very much likes guys like Ingve or Michael Shanker. He sort of has that same vibe. You definitely get the, that that's his wheelhouse. That, that, those, are, those are his influences. The second song... I am going to play for you. It is probably my favorite song off the album. It's called Burn the Sky. It is a very fast song. It's a very heavy song. The first three songs on this album are the heaviest songs on the album, I think. This is a very heavy song. It's got very fast. The vocals are very like quick paced, I guess you would say. I like the lyrics of this song as well. It's got a great chorus. It's even kind of proggy, I think, in, in, in a lot of ways. I think kind of this whole album you can sort of see... Oddly enough, you can sort of see snippets of Shadows Fall, speaking of, you know, and Fate's Warning and that kind of stuff. Maybe even a little, 
maybe a little early dream theater. I wouldn't say later dream theater, but maybe really early dream theater that was a little bit on the heavier side. So you can definitely see that they have a lot of different influences. The the guitar solo is a is a it's a really fast shred and yet it is so melodic. It's just an amazing song. I think you guys will really like this song. You can tell when you listen to Michael Gilbert throughout this album who his influences are. This is a guy who clearly likes Ingve and Michael Shanker and that kind of sort of classical leaning shredders. Here is a piece of it right now. But who are you to And I must give out a huge shout out to AK, Eric Knutson, vocalist. He is unbelievable on this album. And this guy's my age, folks. He's my age. He's a little bit older than me even. And his voice is great. And the thing that I like about his voice is... It's not Arnie James Dio or Bruce Dickinson or anything like that. It's definitely more on the thrashier side, but yet it's not too thrashy. It's a really nice mix of having kind of a gravelly vocal, but still being able to hold a note and being able to have some bravado in his voice. He kills it on this album. He absolutely kills it on this album. And it's just really amazing that this guy at 56 years old can just nail it like he is. It's just incredible. I can't wait to see them live. I hope he can do it live. <laughs> the third song on this album is called Brace for Impact. And it's also been one of the singles. So you guys may have heard it. You can check it out on YouTube if you don't have the album yet. You can actually listen to the whole album on YouTube if you don't have it yet. This is, I told you that the first three songs were the heaviest songs on the album. And this is probably the absolute heaviest song on the album in a thrash kind of way. It's really, really the thrashiest song, if that makes any sense. Great lyrics. Again, the lyrics on this album are very interesting and I find them to be like introspective. You know, they're not, um, they're more insightful. They're more grown up. Obviously, these people are all men in their 50s. There's, there's, there's no children here, so they're not writing about childish things. They're writing about life and even kind of an introspective thought on life and death and our place in this world and so I find the lyrics to be very interesting and refreshing <laughs> So my notes for the fourth song, A Place to Die, is uh, more thrash, quick paced vocals, again melody, the guitar solos are awesome, and the drumming is no joke. <laughs> Thank you. 
Track five is called The Walls, and this is your maidenish song. It's a mid-paced song. It definitely has a gallop to it. You can definitely hear the Judas Priest maiden influence in the solos. It's probably the catchiest song. Not surprisingly that it's the maiden song that's the catchiest song. And here is the chorus. I can see the walls are falling down on me. I can see the walls are falling, they crumble to the sea. I can see my dreams are broken, laying on the ground. I can see the walls are falling. I can see the walls are falling. Next up is Cry for the Dead, and this is the ballad, sort of. It's not quite a power ballad, but it's the slowest song on the album. The guitar solo is definitely Yngwie Worship. And I can really relate to the lyrics. Here's the guitar solo, or a snippet of it anyway. Next up is The Wicked Hour, which is their nod to power metal. This song is very Halloween-y, Gamma Ray-ish. It's got a great drum intro. Here's the Halloween-y part. Number eight is Too Many Lives. We're back to thrash. This sort of has a testament feel to it. (laughs) 
Next up is Grey Dragon. And this is probably the closest these guys get to death metal. There's some growls in the vocals, not all the way through, but in, in different parts of it. It's an angry song. It's a cool song. Here's another snippet that includes the guitar solo. The next song is Reaggression, and it almost kicks in with like a, almost like a black metal riff. It's a really heavy riff, but then there's like a soft interlude in the middle of the song. Here is the softer passage that I was speaking about. Next up is the song Undone, and it's probably their grooviest, funkiest song on the album. <laughs> Last, but certainly not least, the 12th song on the album is Seven Seconds to the End of the World. And this is the epic closer. And this is the perfect ending to this album. I think that the sequencing of this album was done really, really well. You have the really heavy, three heavy songs, bing, bing, bing. Then they take it down a notch a little bit, and then they bring you back up again, and they close with a really strong banger. Here is the beginning. Here is the beginning. 
There's a catchy chorus. So that's it. That's the album. My takeaway, a lot of things. First of all, this is a really solid album by a veteran band. They still have it going on. The We didn't even talk about the twin guitar leads, solos. They're trading off solos. Uh, I didn't even talk about Steve Connolly, but he does an awesome job on this album. The guitar work is solid. The drumming is frenetic, well-paced, and really, really solid. The bass line is great. The bass playing is great. It's just right under. You can hear it. Just It just it lays under every song really, really well. It's a great rhythm section. I can't say enough about AK's vocals. It's amazing how well he can sing at his age. I really hope they can pull this off live because I really do love this album. I really do love this band and I've loved this band for a really, really long time. I think that they're thrash, but they're thrash with melody and a little bit of progginess. And I hope that you like them too. If you would like to get in touch with me, you may do so. I am on Twitter at Metal Chat Pod, or you can email me at MetalMelissaPodcast at gmail.com. That's it. That's all. We're on to episode 21. Thanks again for your support. It is much appreciated. Until then, be well. Let's let